Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My name is Iman Atiyah and I'm serving as a National Tarbiya Director um, for the Muslim American Society. I'm welcoming each and every one of you today to another episode of our Remastered Podcast. And you might all be wondering, where is Munira? Munira is our regular host. She couldn't make it here today, so I'm going to try to fill her shoes, mashallah. She does a good job. Um, today, I also have a wonderful guest speaker, Sister Yusra Kandid, with us, mashallah. I follow her on social media. I love little stories that she shares with us that we can reflect on and really find deeper meaning in them. And so it's really exciting for me to be with her today and talking about upcoming uh, Dhul Hijjah, the 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. It seems like Ramadan was just around a corner, wasn't it, Sister Yusra? Yes, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, Sister Iman. Jazakumullah khairan for having me. I am truly honored. And yes, subhanAllah, the time just flew by so quickly. I can't believe it's already, Eid is like what, in a couple of weeks, halas, inshallah. <laughs> and I'm sure that subhanAllah, it is Allah's hikmah, it's Allah's wisdom that he keeps from our two Eids, uh, our Ramadan and our, and our Dhul Hijjah, the two highly spiritual events in a Muslim's life, close enough together that when you're kind of going down that slope, it's another recharge for the rest of the year, don't you think? Absolutely, subhanAllah. I think we, we all are feeling this, especially I think um, the fact that being Ramadan, being so close to summer mm-hmm. and it's the school year, you know, kids are want to go on vacation. There's so much going on, subhanAllah, and we kind of get sidetracked. Mm-hmm. And then subhanAllah, the hijjah comes and kind of like puts us back again into place and we kind of realign ourselves once again. So it's mm-hmm. definitely timing, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. So before I start, you know, talking to you about the hijjah, the 10 days, about Prophet Ibrahim, um, Hajar Ismail, all of these things that we can learn from Dhul Hijjah. I wanted to take a step back and if you can just share with us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name is Yusra Kamil Kandil. Um, I am a mother of three. I homeschool them and I am, you know, I'm on the East Coast, New Jersey, not in California, some people thought, but anyway, um, so alhamdulillah. So I did a four-year study with uh, Sheikh Shadi Masri, or Awailam course, and alhamdulillah, Rabbi, I've been kind of, you know, trying to you know, share whatever I have learned. And I'm continuing learning right now as well. Um, you know, do a lot of fundraisers, a lot of like lectures, um, Islamic education. I also worked in, you know, Islamic education for about seven years. So Alhamdulillah, I just feel like it's everybody's responsibility to convey what learn, they learn. You know, you don't have to be that perfect person. You don't have to be like a scholar or a shikha. Once you learn something, you, you know, you know about where it came from, how authentic it is, then you can just take that and share it right away. Um, you know, convey from me, even if it's just one message, that's what the Prophet, one verse, I'm sorry, that's what the Prophet said. And so that's my, you know, the place that I try to come from, inshallah, and I share on Instagram, Facebook, you know, TikTok, I try, I'm not that young, but I'm trying to keep up with, you know, the, the, the pace of the younger generation. And alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, so try to use the platforms for something good, basically. MashaAllah, you're doing incredible. You know, your short kind of videos that bring a, a quick kind of message for people to reflect on for the rest of the day is beautiful but we'll talk about near the end you know how how can your people connect with you mashallah but before we you know we're going to jump into our topic now and i think this year uh, you know the national leadership mass national leadership when i was thinking with the, the other people on my team what are we going to focus about in the hijjah lots of the people around us will talk about you know what are the lessons from uh, what is why is the hijjah so important and what is the lessons from the hajj rituals but we want to take another route we want to say so what how can we reflect on the character of Prophet Ibrahim? How can we embody the type of person that he was? And even going beyond just saying, you know, that he, you know, that he was a believer, he was Khalilullah, these are huge things, but even the fact that he was maybe a visionary, the fact that he, you know, looked forward for the ummas to come. But um, subhanAllah, this is what we're going to focus on together today. But, you know, people might be thinking, uh, you know, we mentioned Dhul Hijjah, why is Dhul Hijjah so important? 
Why are we focusing? You know, if I'm not going to Hajj, you know, the Hajjis are the ones that are going to experience it. How can we, why is the Hajj important to us even at home before we talk about how we can embody Prophet Ibrahim? Well, these, these days are like, literally, they tell you they're the best days, right? The best 10 days in the year. We speak about the last 10 nights of, you know, of Ramadan and finding or trying to hurry. You're trying to find that one night of Laylatul Qadr. But Allah tells you these days are like 100% guaranteed. You don't have to really search and look for one specific time, the amount of blessings, the amount of barakah, and you can make and bring that hajj into your home, right? Try to attain the hajj, try to attain the reward, try to be just like those who are standing on Arafah, subhanAllah. Um, sometimes I feel the fact that we are in our home, in our comfort zones, we kind of kind of zone out and we feel like, oh, well, we're not on Arafah, you know, we're not really there. Although subhanAllah, we are in a much more comfortable atmosphere to be able to really worship more, to give more. And I think it comes from the home and how we should start worshiping as a family and educating our kids on how important these days are. Um, I think a lot of us don't really realize how important they are because we were not raised that way. It's mostly about the day of Arafah, we're all fasting and then that's it, we're done, right? But subhanAllah, when you start from the kids when they're younger, okay, what it, why is it so important? What do we have to do in these days? What are the benefits and so on and so forth? And kind of implement that and have like, you know, our own little, not hajj, but it's kind of a mini hajj where, where we're leaving everything and just doing hijrah, lillah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're going with our souls to Mount Arafat and just, you know, trying to build up to that, but in the comfort of our homes. It's beautiful, subhanAllah. Lots of people talk about how the second Eid al-Adha comes on us all of a sudden. It's because we prepare for Ramadan and then we fast Ramadan. I, I hear you when you say, you know, bring your family together and think about the Hajjah. I think we need to get bring that back to the Ummah, that bring back to back to our communities, that we need to get ready and prepare for the Hajjah, remind ourselves of Hajjahs around the corner. What am I gonna do in those best, you know, the best, best 10 days? Are we gonna fast together? Are we gonna make sure we read more Quran? What about our Athqar? What about our Tahajjud? Like really making them those bad. So I think it's bringing this idea back to our communities that we, as we prepare for Ramadan, we need to prepare for the Hijjah and make these 10 days really, really put that extra effort. Don't you think? Absolutely. I think it's very important. We really do kind of like sidetrack from that. I don't think anybody focuses other than the day of Arafah and then unless you break your fast and then, okay, let's party, you know, kind of, uh, it's like party mode. Um, but subhanAllah, really, like I, I see now, alhamdulillah, like there is more of a um, of a movement, like even on Rabata with uh, Shikha Ansi Tamara, right? And they, they already, they sent yesterday, we're going to be starting from like, you know, the, the first 10 days, what is the game plan, the atkar, the wird, the, you know, the tahajjud, the circles. And I think this is what we really need to bring into our homes. We have to pull our kids into that because inshallah, they're going to be the next generation who will carry forth with this ummah. And if we don't convey that, you know, it might kind of, you know, get lost as we, as we are right now already. I think we're experiencing it right now. It's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's perfect thank you sister you're absolutely right and i actually have i'm in a halakha and one of the sisters shared with us yesterday the, yes. the hajj, bring hajj into your home from rabata and she's like who's going to be on my team and i was like mashallah this is an intense program but you know what we're going to form a team and we're going to try to do our best that's something we can talk about a little bit later too uh, for our listeners to 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 uh, share that information with them but let's um, jump in a little bit into our actually what I mentioned in the beginning about speaking about the the you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Qad kanat lakum hasatan fi Ibrahim, right that in prophet Ibrahim you already have an excellent example so you know all of us teach ourselves about how prophet we focus on prophet Muhammad being that role model that example but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Muhammad that Ibrahim is your role model he is always a role, you know. So, you know, we can take a step back and say, 
how did Prophet Ibrahim attain that Khalilullah? What was it about him as a person that made him who he was? And in our preparation for the Hijjah that we were just talking about, maybe we can share these, uh, these, these character that, that we get pull from his stories and say, this is how I'm going to prepare for the Hijjah. This is how it's going to affect my character and my akhlaq during the Hijjah so I can be like Prophet Ibrahim and maybe get reward in the Hijjah of, of, you know, of him and, and who he was through his, his character. So tell me a little bit, what, what do you, in, you know, I mentioned the stories that we have in the Quran, multiple stories of Prophet Ibrahim, different parts of his life, different experiences that he had. Which one of these stories are what really rings with you and you always remember and you think really reflects on who he was? Um, honest to God, I think every part of it, because his story is like, it's a story for all ages to learn from, right? Whether he was that, you know, youth, like he's in his 16s, his teen ages being thrown into the fire, or whether he was a married man and how he had to deal with the whole situation of leaving his wife and his son that he longed for, or whether he was an elder man and the building of the Kaaba. Like, subhanAllah, every stage of Sayyidina Ibrahim is just, we could do like 10 episodes about, right? We could talk about him forever, subhanAllah. And the fact that, you know, we hear about the stories of all the previous prophets, right? We have all these stories to get the hikmah out of it, to get the wisdom out of it, to learn from it. But specifically, as you said, that Sayyidina Ibrahim's story was put there in order for us to imitate him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, be, you know, may Allah upon him, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'm sorry, did I mess up something? Or no? No, I Can I Yes. Okay. So again, so the Prophet was actually commanded, right? Or we are commanded not just to learn from the wisdoms of Sayyidina Ibrahim, but to also follow in his footsteps and to imitate, right? So there's the imitating part that's added to Sayyidina Ibrahim. Indeed, the most worthy of Ibrahim among the people are those who followed him in submission. And this Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and those who believe in his message, right? And as you said, in him, there's an excellent example because of the so many virtues. And, you know, we could go on and start listing virtues and just kind of try to extract what can I take from this virtue? How can I apply this? As you said, it's so important not just to hear, okay, these are the virtues of Sayyidina Ibrahim, but how am I going to take this and implement it in my life? Which ones are the closest to my heart and which ones am I going to actually apply? So I don't know, would you like us to start listing? Maybe perhaps yeah. we could. I was just going to ask you, what, what do you think is one of Prophet Ibrahim's most admirable qualities that we can reflect on and then take a step further, like you said, and learn to apply? Well, I think the fact that he is an ummah, right? When you think to yourself, right? Someone is an ummah and the scholars tell you he's an ummah in regards to worship. So Sayyidina Ibrahim compared to an entire ummah of worship or his deeds are worth the deeds of an ummah. So I think one of the questions that we all have to ask ourselves in our busy lifestyles, right? Whether we are moms, whether we're students in college, whether we're just starting our lives, where we, whether we're older, wherever we are, we have to ask ourselves, you know, or ask myself, what am I, what, what, like, what's my worth to this deen? Sayyidina Ibrahim was an ummah. Am I half an ummah? Am I quarter of an ummah? Am I even just one person of this ummah? Or am I just kind of like totally distracted by this dunya and not really focused what I'm doing here and why I'm here? And I think this is such an important message when we think of Sayyidina Ibrahim as an ummah. And then we have to ask ourselves, what am I? And I think this is one of the most profound things that I have to, you know, keep reminding myself because 
it puts you into that visionary kind of mode, right? Okay, if I'm an ummah, if I'm part of this ummah, what is my vision? Why am I here? Where am I heading to, right? And what is everything that I'm doing kind of incorporating this vision that I'm having? Or how is it helping me? And how am I helping those around me to fulfill this being part of the ummah or just being something in the ummah at least, contributing something to the ummah? SubhanAllah. And you know, it's, it's, I was just reflecting on what you're saying. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Ibrahim was an ummah. So he, yes. he, but Ibrahim also had the strength and confidence to almost see himself as an ummah. And I'm saying that through, if we go back to the stories, like when he stood up to his people as one young man, he was representing his belief. His, he was the ummah of his belief. Why are you worshiping these idols? They don't, you know, my Lord gives me um, food when I need, and my Lord gives me health when I'm sick. You know, he, he challenged them as an ummah. And then when he, when he broke the idols, you know, he, he was, the, so in his character, his, he, his, his yaqeen that I know what I'm saying, I know what I'm doing, and I will represent myself with dignity and grace. You know, even when he went in front of the king and he said, the king, you know, the king, my, my, my Lord brings the sun from the east can you, and sets it in the west. Can you do the opposite? And the, kafar, the one who disbelieved could not answer. Yani, he represent, he, Allah said you're an ummah and he took that, he exemplified that and took that to heart. I represent this belief, you know, you know? Yes, exactly. And I think, subhanAllah, you know, I just started a da'wah class yesterday, right, with Ikna. And subhanAllah, you know, preparing for, you know, just talking about Sayyidina Ibrahim. And as you said, when he was addressing his people, and you think to yourself, like, my child is 16 years old or almost 16. And I'm thinking, you know, reading about Sayyidina Ibrahim at the age of 16, as you said, and he's speaking with such power and such strength and such conviction because he knew he was on the right path. And the way he da'wah, as you said, like first when he speaks with his father, he's like, yeah, Abati, not yeah, Abi, but the ta there at the end is kind of like showing you the gentleness, the tenderness, right? And he's saying like, Allah has given me or it has come to me. It's not like I know better than you do because he does know better than him. But again, the adab with the father, right? And then after that, he still speaks to his, you know, to his people, like how can you worship the one that does not do this or do that, whatever. And then when they, when he tells them or they tell him, you know, you know, when he says these things to them, what does, what do they say? They say what? They kind of came back to their senses, right? Mm -hmm. Show that they're aligned to the fitra. And Zayn Ibrahim recognized that in this part of da'wah that sometimes you just need to remind people gently, you know, it's not going to always work out, but we're sometimes so afraid of what the, pe the person in front of us might say, but he was so empowered. And at that age, and I compare it to our kids at this age now, subhanAllah, it's such a huge difference, right? And then subhanAllah, after that, what happened? Their nafs kind of took over and they said, you know, like, you know, they quickly kind of regressed to their original mindset. And this is when he kind of like, you know what? That's it, you know, like, like, shame on you. Like, imagine a 16 year old standing up to like his father and to his entire community who was known specifically for, you know, making the idols. Like that, that's what they were known for in this part, right? Of the, of the place he was at, you know, and telling them like, shame on you, right? And you think to yourself, subhanAllah, when you are upon the haq, when you are upon the truth, it is so easy to just feel like it's okay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has my back. Like, what am I afraid of? Like, what's the worst case scenario that's going to happen? Someone's going to like snap back at me. Someone's going to say this or that. Of course, we're not required to go and tell people like shame on you. But the concept or the thing we need to walk away with is to have conviction and be you know, certain of who you are. Like, don't feel ashamed of who you are. If a 16-year-old could stand in front of his entire community and tell them, how can you worship this? How can you do this? Come back to your senses. What should we be doing? 
right, as Muslims carrying ourselves here now in the time that we live in, not just with non-Muslims, but even with Muslims as well, especially the younger generation. SubhanAllah, you're absolutely right, Yani. It's 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 the way that we make da'wah, the, the, the grace, the way that we make people think, we bring them back to their senses, the words that we use. Prophet Ibrahim, you know, talking about, he, he knew exactly which buttons, buttons to push and which words to use when he spoke to different people around him. Um, uh, the other thing I was thinking about, so you, we mentioned Prophet Ibrahim, you know, as his youth, and then you said when he left his family, you mentioned that. You, uh, let's talk about his, you know, when he left his family, you know, what, what kind of, for him to turn around and, and Hajar to ask him, you know, why are you leaving us? Is this an order from uh, your, you know, your creator? Is this an order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And, and what do you, what, what can we think about his character and who he was and his ability to do something like this? What comes to mind? Two things. Mm-hmm. The trusting of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plans mm-hmm. and obedience, the ta'ha of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Mm-hmm. Like Allah, okay, you're going to go from Palestine, you're going to go to this land called Mecca with your wife, Hajar, and your son that you've been longing for, right? He's trying to have a kid for how long he's like, it's not just oh, like yes. his beloved <laughs> son, right? Ismail alayhi salam. And you're going to leave them in this desert, right? Mm-hmm. Subhanallah, like how many times do we fail to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan, right? We question, like we question and we question, we forget who we're questioning. We kind of like, subhanAllah, you know, I think it's something as a shortcoming from us as human beings. When we think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, unfortunately, many times we think within the limits, you know, the limits of human beings. We don't comprehend the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't comprehend who he is subhanahu wa ta'ala and who we are. We're like nothing. He's Allah. He's our Rabb. He's our Khalid subhanAllah. So the, the concept of kind of like just trust Allah. Like I know what is good for you. I know how this is going to work. You know, the trust that he had and then the obedience and the submission, right? In this time that we live in, so many times specifically with the younger generation, everything has to make sense to them. It has to be logical. There has to be a logical explanation for everything. Not all, not with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? There's sami'na wa ata'na, right? We hear and we obey Ya Rabb. And the wisdom, you know, you could sit for years and years trying to comprehend the wisdom behind something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has destined for you. And wallahi, we will never understand. But maybe years and years later, maybe Allah will let you know, and maybe you won't. But in that ta'a, in that saying, sami'na wa ata'na Ya Rabb, comes the beauty. You see what happens here. He goes, he leaves his wife, he leaves his son a baby, right? Not even like a young man who could defend his wife or whatever. And this is in a time where you have people, you know, cutting roads and kidnapping and slavery. It's like a totally different time. It's not like he left us here, you know, in in Mecca now. You could just hop on the plane and come back, right? Or you could stay there and you're going to be fine. Totally different realm, subhanAllah. And and yet he didn't question his Lord. And I think that's what makes him Khalilullah. Like, Allah said, Khalas, it's a done deal. I trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever I'm going through, it's in his hand. He's my wakil, right? And on the other side, Sittina Hajar, like, you know, the conviction she has, you know, you know, you're gonna leave us to what? To like no food, no drink. And then she just asks him, like it, you know, kind of comes to her mind. Did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala order you to do this? Yes, yes, it's Allah. I don't, I have no issue. If it's Allah, what, what am I worried about, right? He's my creator. He knows what I'm going through. He sees me. He hears me. He's a Samia al-Basir al-Alim. He knows where I am. And he knows that I'm here because he, subhanahu wa ta'ala, put me here. And that's the conviction that we need to have, both of Sayyidina Ibrahim and Sittina Hajar. 
the combination subhanAllah was so it, it, it's just incredible the combination you know when he answered her all her worries all her fears were lost although she searched for water between Safa and Marwa although she did her part she had she was certain from her statement to Ibrahim that Allah will not let us be lost so you know as we speak I see that when Ibrahim was described as an ummah and we see that through his ibadah and his da'wah his worship and his calling to Allah in his youth he was described as Khalilullah the beloved of Allah, the best friend of Allah. And that's because he had no doubt. He had, he was certain that Allah was there with him, that Allah would guide him, that Allah was choosing all his tests for him, be it leave your son and your wife, and then be it slaughter your son. Over and over, he demonstrated that, oh Allah, I know what you're asking of me. I will carry it out because I believe in your wisdom and I believe in your vision. And you know, when he left Hajar, and Ibrahim, we also read, uh, he left Hajj and Ismail, sorry. He, he says to Allah, oh Allah, I left my family in a barren land. Please send people to them, send life, people that will worship you. I thought that was incredible when I read that about Sayyid Ibrahim because he, he, he's like, he, he had a vision. You know, like maybe where I'm going to leave them, there will be faithful people there. You know, he had a vision of and when he came back and he built the Kaaba. So this is the second phase that you mentioned. Comes back and he builds the Kaaba and he sees this vision of a place that could be a place of worship and he develops it and he prays for the people there, what they're going to be even after him. So what, let's talk about Ibrahim in that kind of sense. You know, the fact that he thought he, he makes dua for people even beyond himself and Ummah beyond his. I think this is one of the most beautiful, you know, you know, things that we, we can actually really walk away with, right? One of the, apart from him being an ummah, you know, sallallahu alayhi wa but the fact that he had yaqeen when he made dua, right? And as you said, including those who are coming afterwards, right? You might make dua now, you don't see the fruit of it now, but it could manifest in your grandchildren, your great, 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 great like generations and generations. And the biggest proof is when he says what? Our Lord raised from among them, right? A messenger who will teach them the book and wisdom and purify them. Indeed, you are alone. Indeed, you alone are the Almighty, all wise, right? And it's manifested in who? You know, in years. Sayyidina Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Like, how many generations after Sayyidina Ibrahim to Sayyidina Muhammad come? It's unbelievable, right? And when he says, you know, make this, you know, a place better than Aminan, right? Or Rabbi in Yaskanti, you know, right? Like I put my offspring here in a place where there is nothing, Ya Rabb. And what happens? We see, like, this is subhanAllah, is it's a perfect example of the acceptance of dua. And dua is so important because dua is ibadah. And I think a lot of us kind of like, kind of when we go through dua, Sometimes and many times we just like we end our salah, for example, and we just you know, whatever it is that we're saying, we're not really kind of thinking and kind of contemplating on the words that are coming out of our mouths. We're just doing it to kind of check it off our list. You go through a trial in your life and someone tells you, did you make dua? Yeah, yeah I made dua. You make dua, but you lack the yaqeen fillah, the certainty for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? It's like kind of I did my job but I'm not really certain it's going to happen. And this is from our shortcoming, right? Mm -hmm. When you really think of dua and the Prophet Sallallahu saying what a dua huwa ibadah, right? When we think of ibadah or worship, the first thing we think of is what? Salah, qiyam, song, right? But the Prophet Sallallahu says dua is ibadah because 
if you look at the word that it comes from, the word Ubudiyya, which means slavery or enslavement, basically, and the main characteristics of a slave is what? Al-Inkisar, right? You're someone who is broken, humble, someone yeah. humble, someone who is obedient, someone who feels the need, right? And that's how Abd should be with his worshiper, right? Or, you know, uh, with the one he's worshiping. But unfortunately, how often do we feel that way when we're praying, when we're in Salah? Yeah, sometimes, alhamdulillah, Allah gives those openings, but sometimes we're just praying because we're going to miss Salah or because I have something else to do. We're just going through the actions, subhanAllah. But there is no way, there is no way you're going to raise your hands to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unless you realize and you feel your need. Unless you acknowledge, again, who you are and who you are asking, subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And that is what makes us abad and that fulfills, that's utmost abudiyya lillah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You really feel it in dua and that's what Sayyidina Ibrahim teaches us. We forget that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted our dua and shaitan works so hard on this, right? We make dua for so many things and so many duas, wallahi, are accepted, but we forget. The minute it's accepted, shaitan makes us forget because if we remember what's going to happen, khalas, my connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I make dua, it's accepted, like Allah has my back, right? SubhanAllah. And I think it's a reminder for us in these days, as we read the ayat about Sayyidina Ibrahim and how his dua is accepted until this day, you have, you know, people going to Mecca, people trying so hard and we see the whole situation with Hajj SubhanAllah and so many people who are just, you know, we're going and they're not going and their heart is so attached to this place, how his dua is manifesting until this day, SubhanAllah. And it empowers you and tells you, don't forget that Allah is Qareeb, Allah is near. He will answer your dua when you supplicate to him. And Allah says, the, 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 the supplication or the dua of any supplicant. Like Allah doesn't tell you, you have to be the scholar or you have to be, you know, a hafiz of the book or you have to be up for a qiyam. No, 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 no. The minute you acknowledge your need for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you put those hands up, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inshallah will accept. And I think this is very, very important because yes. example of dua in Ibrahim, dua accepted, subhanAllah. He did, you do your part, you know, yes. you do your part, Ibrahim did his part, he built the Kaaba and then he made dua. You know, when, when you know, you do your part and the rest is in Allah's hands, Allah will ask you for what you did, that you did, you did your, what was asked of you. And then you said, oh, Allah, Rabbana taqabbal minna, innaka anta alim. even Prophet Ibrahim was certain, you know, oh, Allah, I did what I could. Now the rest is in your hands. And I have certainty that you're going to, you know, make it happen when it's supposed to happen, where it's supposed to happen, when it's best for me with your wisdom so it's just incredible how much we can keep on going talking about Sayyidina Ibrahim and his his you know the character that he had the grace that he had when he spoke to people certainly see that the connection that he had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how much he loved Allah and Allah loved him back how he much he asked of Allah and Allah gave him you know and how how much he sacrificed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know that's one thing I think one last question we want to we want to jump into the concept of sacrifice a lot of people associate Prophet Ibrahim with sacrifice giving up his family, going to sacrifice his son, all of these things. And in our modern days, the word sacrifice has a very negative connotation to some people. Um, how can we help our, our youth and ourselves have a mindset, you know, change our mindset and think about sacrifice through the lens of Prophet Ibrahim in a positive sense? Well, sacrifice doesn't mean that I'm giving up something. I might be giving up, it is giving up something, right? You, you're going to give up something. As you said, Sayyidina Ibrahim gave up, you know, 
his he gave up his family right being, being thrown into the fire he gave up you know having to leave his son and his child giving up this and that like subhanallah his whole life if you think about it and just being the humiliation he was put through that to be dragged out in front of everybody and thrown into the fire subhanallah by his own father like it's not just by an enemy that by itself is a huge sacrifice instead he sacrificed sorry and standing up for what he believes in right so when we kind of are focused on why we are here in this dunya right when we know what our purpose is it becomes so much easier to shift your mind and to understand yes i want to do so and so but what does allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want and i think that's also what makes him a khalid right a khalid because it's not about what i desire it's about what the mahbub desires right it's like the utmost level of love right love basically i was just saying this while in the lecture love is discipline right love is not just the flowers and roses and whatever it is right oh these things are beautiful but love is doing what the mahbub loves what the one whom you love really loves it takes a lot of sacrifice from you but again we kind of tell ourselves oh i'm sacrificing for god that means i'm giving up this and i'm giving up that i'm i'm going to give up you know maybe my hair i have to wear hijab or i'm going to give up my sleep and i have to wake up for fajr or i have to give up maybe making extra money because i have to make sure my income is halal right the question here is is not about sacrifice but the question is do we really love allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like if we truly loved allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we all claim like you ask anybody do you love allah of course i love allah like what, what kind of a question is that but the question we really have to ask ourselves like if this was someone yeah like you know you're in the beginning of your life you know your your fiance or of course i'm not we compare nothing and no one to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but i'm trying to bring it um you know give you an example that we can picture more if this is a mahbub, a human being in front of you, right? You don't even think about it. You sacrifice, right? You do whatever they love the way they love it because you truly love them. You'll do things, you'll eat things, you'll go places maybe necessarily not very pleasing to you, but because you know it's going to make them happy, right? And you want them to be happy. So the question is that once we really love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way he subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to love him, then sacrifice comes just normal. It's not sacrifice. Not You're sacrifice loves it's a mindset it's not mm-hmm. set the way you look at things learn and know why you are here surround yourself with people who are going to empower you and strengthen you to keep on that path and fulfill that vision and reach that jannah inshallah and then love allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's it khalas. you don't have to worry about anything because allah wants it it doesn't matter what i want and that's what makes him a khalid the love of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tahallal, something that penetrates it infiltrates through his not just his heart his soul his body every part of him but khalas, it, it, it's a done deal my desire or allah who's who's i who am i aslan right who am i it's allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so khalas, it's love it's love and that's it once you love allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sacrifice becomes just something you want to do because it's for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right this is an incredible note to, to end our conversation on. I wish we didn't have to end our conversation. I really enjoyed this, inshallah. And um, I'm hoping that I one day I'll get to meet you. I know that you were at the ICNA convention the other, the, a few weeks back. And I hope that one day we will meet maybe in our upcoming mass convention in Chicago or something. May Allah bless you and accept you from you, everything that you do. But I want you to share with the, our listeners some of the things that you're working on, maybe how they can follow you on some of um, how they can find your name. Um, but, if you can share with us please sure can i share with you just one last thing about Sayyidina ibrahim that's it's so important because it's about you and me and every single person who's listening to us right when Sayyidina muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa during the isra and the mi'raj 
and he met Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, right? And he met all the prophets and every prophet would say like, you know, marhaban bin Nabi Salah with the, you know, welcome to the, you know, or greetings to the righteous Nabi, except for Sayyidina Ibrahim. And he tells him what? Marhaban bin Nabi Salah wal ibn Salah. He's like his son. And he tells him what? Ya Muhammad, iqra' ummatak minni salam. وأخبرهم أن الجنة طيبة التربة عذبة الماء وأنها واتكعان وأن غرسها سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله. سيدنا إبراهيم has sent his salam to each and every single one of us, each one of us, you and me and everyone listening. And he's telling you a very important message. He didn't tell you salah or this or that. No, no, no. He's telling you Jannah is what? It's very fertile, right? And it's made of sweet water and leveled land. And if you want to plant anything in it, you want to remodel and redecorate your home, subhanAllah, walhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah. Why would his message be Jannah? To remind us, to remind us why. Because Jannah is the hope that we have. When we are going through tests and trials and difficulties, Jannah is the hope that we have in this dunya. Remember Sayyidina Ibrahim's message to you and remember why you are here and remember where you are heading you are going inshallah to Jannah, right? Start preparing for it, inshallah and kind of, you know, work towards that. So inshallah, that was just the last thing I just wanted to say because it's so important. It, it is. The whole is going in the most difficult of days. Um, as for where to find me, inshallah, you can find me on Instagram if you just look for uh, Yusra Kandil. Um, I do have a YouTube channel as well, um, on Facebook as well. There's a, you know, public page, inshallah, bismillah. And, you know, hopefully, Rabb, inshallah, yani, you find what I say and do beneficial. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ya Rabb, inshallah, to grant us all the ikhlas and, you know, the sincerity and that whatever we are doing and saying today reaches those who really, really need it, need it and those, you know, whom it will make a change in their hearts and in their lives, ya Rabb, inshallah. I mean, Jazakallah Khair and Sister Yusra. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to all of you for joining us on the Remastered Podcast. This is Iman Atayya again, your Mass National Tarbiyah Director. It was a pleasure speaking with Sister Yusra. It was a pleasure hosting this, this episode of the, of the podcast. And until next time, inshallah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.